Welcome to Ars Equi, the podcast on all things law and technology. I'm Tima. I'm Paul. And on this episode, Tech Against Gender-Based Violence. Welcome to this new series. Welcome to this new episode of Ars Equi. Uh, on this series, we want to talk about tech for good, so how technology and innovation can help us create a better society. We will talk to founders, we will talk to activists uh, about these issues, and we hope to give you an interesting series of interviews. So the first societal issue that we want to focus on is the issue of gender-based violence or GBV. Gender-based violence essentially refers to violence against an individual based on their gender. This is all rooted in patriarchy and the unequal gendered society that we have. So because of this, women often find themselves being victims of gender-based violence perpetuated by, to them by men. So today we're going to be joined by two innovators who are creating technological solutions to the issue of gender-based violence. We're going to be chatting to Nkanyiso and Maritz. And I think it's important to let everyone know that our intention today is not to center men at the middle of the conversation about female empowerment and gender-based violence. Instead, what we want to do is we want to highlight men who are actually being allies in the fight against gender-based violence and men who are using their privilege and their positions in society to create solutions that will help women. Because at the end of the day, we believe that the fight against gender-based violence is something that we all need to take part in and something that we all need to get involved with. So of course there are many women in this space doing incredible things, but today we really want to highlight our male allies and to show other men that they really can show up for women and there's so many different ways to do so. So we hope you enjoy this episode and stay tuned for more on the Tech for Good series. Today we're kicking off our very new series on Tech for Good. The idea of this series is that Paul and I will be interviewing and chatting to founders, innovators, entrepreneurs who are coming up with exciting and innovative solutions to economic, social, and political issues. So today we are joined by Nkanyiso and Maritz who are going to be talking to us about their technological solutions that they've come up with to the issue of gender-based violence. Hi, welcome. Why don't you start by introducing yourselves? Maybe Molly said. Hi, and thanks for having us. Um, so together with five others, uh, a bit more than a year ago, um, we did create a tool that is called the Extinction and it's available under dextinction.com. And um, we say it's an easy tool to fight dick pics. So the idea is that you can go on this website and really easily within one minute create a criminal complaint um, that you can then send to the police. Uh, and well, it just makes it easier and lowers the barrier to yeah, take action against dick pics on social media. And yeah, it all started as part of a hackathon in the legal tech space. Uh, so it was a conference, you had these 24 hours to build the tool. And yeah, we're together with a team of five others. Uh, this was, was what we came up with. And then throughout the course of last year, we got a lot of uh, traffic for that on social media. And we just sort of continued this as a yeah project that we do in our free time. 
So Maritz, can you tell us a little bit why you decided to go the route of creating a solution to unsolicited dick pics? Was there a specific reason for this or was it just kind of like something that came up as part of the hackathon? Well, um, obviously those hackathons always have topics and one of them was like access to justice as a main topic, which is very common in the legal space where it's always about just making already existing rights more accessible. And so dick pics was one of the things uh, where we said, okay, it's obviously punishable as a criminal complaint, but nobody's doing anything about it. And with the help of tech, you could just lower this barrier. And uh, yeah, this is sort of where we got started. And then from there, we just, tr we just tried to design something that was easy to use and accessible. Thank you. And can you, so your company, Mfundi, has come up with a solution in this area of, of gender-based violence as well. So can you tell us a little bit about the smart nail and what technology it uses and exactly why you guys decided to launch this product? Um, hi guys, thank you so much for having me and my team here. Um, so essentially, um, Mfundi is, uh, founded by a group of entrepreneurs and when we started the company we thought how can we create more entrepreneurs in africa and how can we move africa forward economically socially and technologically so obviously in terms of our base most of our users are female identifying and they're based in africa and we started hearing a lot of noise in terms of um gbv and gbv is very big in south africa so we just thought um how could we potentially offer our current clientele something to make them feel safe and, uh, safe and comfortable. So we decided to um, launch our series of technologies, which we call Future Fit Technologies. And our first product was the um, Spot Nail. Um, so it's a radio inductive chip um, for all the geeky oaks. Um, it's an NTAG213 kind of chip. So it uses like the latest IoT um, technologies. So there's just besides um, the SOS services that we promote, um, also the location services and also the a virtual call. So it's almost, if you can imagine like a, a remote to your phone to quickly activate these prompts. Um, it also has other online features. So the whole idea that when we built the company is how to create more um, entrepreneurs, but more future fit entrepreneurs. And it just happened that most of our subscribers on our platform are women. So we really thought like, how can we create a, a technology right now that will be of good use to our current client base but also get people more involved and more um, willing to learn more about technology in South Africa. So that is how the genesis of the Smart Nail and chip. How exactly does it work? So when you, this is a fingernail, so we maybe have to explain so, this a bit, uh, so how, what, how, how what, this works in detail. So it uses the NFC um, technology. Um, so uh, NFC is like, uh, it's a small range, about four to five meet, um, four to five meters. And essentially, what it does is that you put the nail on your chip, and then we also give you like um, aesthetic nails, like a, a plastic nail to cover it. Then you coat a layer. And essentially, what you're gonna do is that we also have an app and a lot of partner apps where we have to program the prompts. So the right now the chip has five prompts. So currently, the most uh, active or the most useful prompts are the SOAs. So when you have a let's say SOS situation and you don't want to reach your phone, 
what you'll do is that you'll tap, depending on the Android or iPhone, a, a part of the back of your phone, and it will send the prompt out to the listed contacts. Then we also have location services. So obviously if your phone's on and you're feeling a little bit uncomfortable and you would like to let, you know, a friend, like almost like a, now you get on the Uber and you share your location, um, you also can tap that prompt as well. And then we also have a virtual call. So essentially what you have to do is that you, you receive the chip and then you have to pre-prompt it with an app. And then when the, the nail touches the back of the phone, and then we'll know which prompt to activate and send out. So um, it's, we launched it literally um, at the beginning of this month. Um, we've received quite a bit of um, reception and we are always trying to constantly improve and see what works, what doesn't work, but we had no idea it was gonna take off like this. I mean, that was my next question, right? So how has the reception been? And has it been a gendered reception? Do you feel that more women are more excited about these products as opposed to men? Or do you feel like it's quite a balance? Um, yeah, in South Africa, um, definitely more women. Um, mm -hmm. Literally, we keep getting DMs. Even when we go out, people are like, I really, really love this tech. Um, unfortunately, um, with the iPhone 10 and iPhone 11 and iPhone 12, those are only ones that have NFC compatibility um, mm -hmm. on their phones. So everyone with the iPhone 9, 8, and 7 have definitely given us a, a chip on the shoulder. And that's something we definitely will improve. Um, but also we do have a lot of conscious men that uh, understand the situation and they might buy for their, you know, their sister or their girlfriend. And then, yeah, it's, it's, it's literally, it's flower off the shelf. We weren't ready for this kind of um, demand. And I mean, in the context of South Africa, like you've said, gender-based violence is a huge issue. And I mean, we've seen the protests that have happened since 2019 and the things that have been going on in governments trying to get involved and really look into the issue and make some sort of regulatory changes. Do you believe that this smart nail is going to really impact that space? Or do you feel like it's going to be something that will assist a little bit, but not essentially make many changes? And what changes do you think your company needs to implement to get closer to the kind of South Africa that we want? That might be a big question. No, it's a good <laughs> question. It's a very good question. It's a very good question. I think um, I'll answer this in two parts. I think. The first part is I think um, GBV in South Africa and, and in some places is quite systemic, especially here in South Africa. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that the nail will change that systemic issue, uh, but I do think it will um, allow more people to, to let their other partners know that I am safe or please come and help me. And I think in terms of in society right now, especially in South Africa, there's a lot of, um, negative feeling towards the law enforcement or towards um, the police in terms of their reaction. And so it's, it's, it's a bit difficult, you know, because um, how is a policeman supposed to know when this is happening at that time? And I think what the nail chip does, it gives that instant um, access of information to the partner or to the police and say, I'm here, I'm under threat. Um, in terms of our company and how we approach, um, obviously, like I said before, um, our whole literally culture inside Yimfun is how do we move Africa forward and socially, economically, and technologically. And so obviously we do understand there are certain systemic problems. So we do have a platform called Nest. And essentially what we want to use Nest is to basically upskill, um, you know, women in South Africa, teach them about wealth creation, then also teach them about all these technologies and 
give them a way out because I, I really do feel like the best way to equip a woman in South Africa is to give her all the knowledge and all the resources and hopefully that will force you know the community in South Africa to be like okay we're taking this group of, of individual very seriously and we hope we will not be the end goal but almost like a bridge and we hopefully um, we can walk that path with um, all the women in South Africa and all the men as well. I mean, I definitely agree. There's that saying that says, um, when you educate or empower a woman, you empower an entire generation because there's kind of a trickle down effect because obviously the women raise the children and things like that. So I think that's great that you guys are doing that. Yeah, maybe switching back and comparing this to the extinction, this is really a project that was created for a problem that has been caused by the internet. So unlike, unlike the smart nail, which is a societal problem that exists and technology now solves it, we have kind of created a problem with big pics um, and, and are now trying to solve it as well with, uh, by using technology. I think it, it was quite interesting because in Germany sending unsolicited dick pics is a criminal offense. It isn't, for example, in Austria. But um, I, I think this law has been around for longer, so this wasn't the case for TikToks especially, right? Yeah, I think actually both of our projects have something in common, and I was really amazing project. I just heard about the smart nail for the first time, just wow, um, and which is about not necessarily pointing towards the laws that exist that already in many cases protect um us from gender-based violence in a certain sense but it's more more than that about creating awareness like if i just imagine like how many men are just not aware of women going out with this like constant fear and something like the smart nail when you say that i don't know brothers buy it for their sisters uh like this just creates an amazing effect that people just come to realize like that's a daily fear that you face and with with distinction it was very much the same that all of a sudden like uh some of the public prosecutors called us and said like look we're getting so many criminal complaints we have to find a way to deal with that because we're, we weren't aware that so many dick pics are actually being sent and i think this is what both projects have in common that it, it's much more about creating awareness than of course, it's also about prosecution and the immediate effect, but it's much, much more about like just showing and showing that the problem is there. Yeah, so Moritz, how has the extinction been um, received in Germany, given the fact that you guys are working closely with law enforcement and creating a complaint sheet specifically for law enforcement? How has this been received? And do you feel like the reception has been gendered in any way? Well, in terms of the audience, uh, of course, we've gotten many messages. Um, I think more than 90% of the complaints, we, we're not saving any data. So we're being very uh, careful with that. So we don't really know if the complaint, who is sending out the complaints, but from the response that we've received on social media so far, it's been, I would say the huge majority women. Um, and in terms of the response from law enforcement and social media, 
it was we we get the it the attention comes in waves so whenever there's i don't know a certain influencer uh, who posts our tool who reports about it would tell some her audience about it we we, we see that in, in in traffic numbers and and in the re messages we get and yeah law enforcement they have been contacting us um but more in terms of like look we're getting so much work what can we do about it not necessarily in terms of like i don't know how can we prevent that mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, it, it is interesting how um this is dealt with in germany in my opinion and i i, I would say that this is to be expected and we see this with legal tech solutions as well that for example for these flight rights um, so passenger rights for for flights for example which is another kind of legal tech tool um, that is often mentioned and we see the same effect that uh, courts are just overwhelmed by um the actual illegal stuff that is happening uh but it's just not being prosecuted so i think that even showing this and providing access to um, to justice is is really helping this. Yeah, no, hundred percent. And on the topic of law, um, can you? So, how do you feel that your company is adhering to data protection restrictions and requirements? I mean, of course, you guys are processing vast amounts of personal data people's location data, things like that. And although it's for a good cause, how do you feel like you guys have had to balance that with adhering with the regulation and specifically the Protection of Personal Information Act? Yeah, um, so I'm not too sure if you guys know. So in South Africa, um, we have the Poppy rule. So it's the Protection of Personal Information Act. Yeah. Um, so that just recently got signed in. So obviously we had to be compliant and there's eight steps. Um, so we're in the process of completing those steps. Um, but like um, Maurice just said, also, we're also very careful um, in terms of um, the partners that we use. Because like I said, we have uh, partners who have the app that allow you to do the, the prompts. And they also have to be vetted and um, um, vetted in different countries. Because the Smart Nail is, we did create it here in South Africa. And we do want to push it here. But obviously, we want to scale it. And then obviously, we have to consider things like GDPR and all the different um, stuff. So we've been taking the slow walk with our partners, making sure that before we launch in those uh, environments, we have everything legal and sorted out. But from a South African perspective, um, it's been going very well. Um, it's been very going very legal and very slow. Um, but I think more importantly for us is how can we provide the impact right now without sacrificing someone's personal information? And making sure that okay when can we do this so it's been we haven't had the biggest launch in south africa um because of that but we also just want to do we, we've seen the reception you know, and we want to walk because imagine if someone else if that information gets in the wrong hands we might be creating a, a bigger problem in gbv because mm -hmm. then um that's something like uber drivers i don't know if you also heard about what's happening with taxi fire and bolts and how people pretend they're uber drivers and then take uh, take girls home so that is something that we have been spe uh, speaking and spending a lot of time and understanding um but we are taking the the legal requirements that's required in south africa which is the property act so based on this conversation about compliance given that the 
um, personal Protection of Personal Information Act recently just launched. Do you feel, especially in the African context, right? Do you feel like the increase of regulation in this area is stifling innovation for us? in Africa, especially as people are really trying to create solutions to unique African issues. Do you feel like more regulation is impeding this or do you feel like it's actually helping you guys in creating your products and marketing them for data protection and things like that? You know, you know, just to give you some context, I think everything in the world first happens around the world then it happens in, in Africa. So Facts. I think in terms of, um, the legal infrastructure, I think we are quite behind. In fact, I think the Poppy Act should have been made long ago because I don't know how many times I've received a phone call and I just wonder how did this person get my number and vice versa, you know? So I, I, I don't think Africa's at the stage where regulation can stifle innovation right now, but I, I am worried that maybe, let's say now your Googles and all the big tech companies from around the world might use that as an advantage here, you know? So um, I would say basically, I think we, we, we could be uh, moving at a, a little bit of a quicker pace in terms of regulation, but also I do understand in terms of our government and in terms of the African infrastructure, they first have to conceptualize the technology before they make regulations, you know? And then um, like, I mean, for instance, like in Kenya, um, with the, how they have drones delivering goods and stuff like that, you know? I mean, they have to catch up. And then when you come to South Africa, where, you know, if you want to fly a drone there, you know, there's like something like a $20,000 licensing fee and all that kind of stuff. And it's just like, there's no, there's no standard, you know, for the continent. And then it's very different based on resources, how, uh, what country can put it in, in terms of regulation. And then in some places, I think uh, based on there, you might see a lot of, innovation that goes unchecked mm. um but in some other cases you might see some heavy 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 lockdown like the situation i just made in terms of kenya and south africa when it comes to drone piloting you know so um it's 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 a complex world um but i think we are moving in the right direction in africa i agree i do think in the context of Africa, we are moving in the right direction. My concern comes in with copy and paste regulation, which is often what we see that happens on the continent. So because we are developing at a slightly slower pace than perhaps the rest of the world, and we're regulating at a slightly slower pace, often what I find is that regulation is copied from other parts of the world and then kind of pasted and expected to work in the African context without much um, thought to what we actually need in Africa and how we should regulate for ourselves and create unique opportunities and situations for our own populations. So I think it's good that you're not finding it that it's impeding you and I just hope that it doesn't get to this point um, with more copy and paste regulation. Yeah, you know, just on that, I, I, I don't even think it's only regulation. I also think in terms of how we incubate innovation in Africa is a lot of copy and paste. So for, for instance, like the normal standard model, you think, okay, cool, someone comes with a great idea, they meet co-founders, then they put in the incubator to learn business development finance, and they go through a series of, you know, investors, and then hopefully this innovation comes out to the world. But the African market doesn't work like that, but you'll see like we have a lot of incubators that act that way. And even the markets in terms of how they interact with 
our products. Like I said, like our users, for instance, like we are a technology company, but most of our users don't really care about technology. You know, they just love the fact that it's, it's African based and mm -hmm. they love, you know, the brand. And then we slowly walk in the journey and teaching them like the evolution of technology, but making it more Africanized, you know? But now how does that fit into an incubator? And then now if you trying to, if you, if you copy and paste in the incubating rules and standards, you're obviously gonna copy and paste the regulation as well, because you just, doing what works. It's not really like a base that's uh, fermenting and forming itself and using internal. So I think um, what I really think Africa needs is a, is a lot of local thought leaders and the local supplies of information and knowledge and capital. And then I think that will help the, 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 the speed of integrating and making sure we have the right policies that work effectively for the region and not just copy and pasting things. I totally agree. Um, Maritz, do you find this similar situation in Germany that regulation is stifling innovation or do you find that it kind of works hand in hand? Mm, I think it, it's in Europe, we have a, a bit of a particularity because we have certain things that are regulated on a European level, such as the GDPR. Mm -hmm. But then, for example, with, with dick pigs, we clearly see that they are punishable in one country. And then even if you just go to Austria, we could just use the exact same page. It's not punishable. And in Switzerland, we just had, uh, we just got the message that there's now a sort of an extinction for Switzerland. And so even within such a small range, um, you can have so many different legislations. And so also like taking this on, on a sort of more global level, um, I think, it's really, especially if you have smaller projects, sort of a more organic approach to growth and not taking, I don't know, European or US models, but really seeing, okay, that works locally, that works for, I don't know, that might be a South, a South African approach, or that might be a Kenyan approach. Uh, that really, really helps also for, for, for projects, especially when they're not, 100% commercially orientated, such as is often the case with gender-based violence, of course, uh, we, we, get, we get models that are, that are much deeper rooted in the communities that have a, a much bigger acceptance there. So I think especially for those projects, it's very important to also embrace this um, yeah, locality, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Do you plan on expanding extinction to other countries if the law is possible? <laughs> Good question. So really, it's um, we, if we would have the time and not be all in our normal jobs, of course, we would definitely do it. But then um, as, it's, as I'm just a German lawyer and not a Swiss or Italian, um, yeah, we, we just saw that uh, somebody launches in Switzerland. We're super happy about it. And we're also happy to help everybody who wants to do it somewhere else. But uh, yeah, we don't have the capacities now, unfortunately. And can you, so we seeing now that African startups and African innovators are really getting a lot of in attention. They're getting a lot of investment and things like that. So. What do you think about what's happening in the space with African startups and African technology? And what are your hopes for us as a continent moving forward? 
Um, I think there's a lot of upside. I think um, a lot of the infrastructure that we've been lacking is slowly going to come in, and this is in terms of the internet. Um, I think a lot of people, in, in terms of the continent, there's a lot of young people, so a lot of ambitious people, uh, and I don't know, maybe I'll say unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, um, the unemployment rate is also up. So I think people are forced to be innovative right now. So I think um, the fact that there's global appetite to find good ideas in, uh, in, in Africa, I think that's gonna be good for everybody, not just um, Africa, but I also just think globally, because I think um, globally we need a, a Africa to come to the party in terms of innovation and technology. And I think everyone wants, wants to see that. So I am very excited. I'm very much involved in terms of the community and I definitely would want to expand. So um, I think the next, I think, I think Africa has the potential to shock the world, but I think it's up to the world to believe in Africa with their money, with their time, with their resources and skills like that. And I think um, the way the world's moving, it's, it's literally taking out the middleman. It's making distances shorter. It's really, allowing the small guys to play. And if you think about Africa, I mean, there's a lot of small guys. There's a lot of um, like, I mean, one thing, like like the, the impact of technology in Africa um, is it's higher anywhere else in the world. You know, you can have, I know you look at M-Pesa, you, you always hear these stories about like these local guys that shouldn't have done it, do something, yeah. and then they reach amazing scale because they're solving one problem, which is, um, affected in Africa. So I think there's a lot of opportunity. Um, what I think we need to do is that we need to be, we need to have faith and we need to be smart to find out which opportunities are worth our time and worth the reputation. And I think as time goes on, like Facebook, Google, everyone's making their way here because they need more users, you know, and they need to understand like, how can we fully scale? And then I think that's where um, the younger communities and uh, the incubators and the, the startups, the entrepreneurs, we need to be visible and we need to take opportunities like that. And I think um, Africa will be in a good place if we do that. I totally agree. And what makes me super excited about tech in Africa and the way things are going is that we have these really unique issues and a solution in Africa, which might be a convenience somewhere else in the world, really has such a massive impact and has the the possibility to change lives change circumstances and things like that so i think it's incredible when i talk to african founders and african innovators it's incredible to see what you guys are doing because it's not an easy space to get into in the continent because there are so many structural and infrastructure um, limitations and things like that but i think it's amazing to see how like just how Africans are doing it. Like, I love to see it. I really do love to see it. But I have one question. There's often a conversation about um, innovators and founders from outside of the continent coming into the continent and coming up with solutions or bringing their, their ideas and products and things into the continent. And essentially, um, there's an article that I read where they described it as sucking up investment and taking investment away from African founders. So what do you think about this? And do you feel like this is an issue or do you think it's something where Africans and the people that come into the, onto the continent can work together? Um, if I'm really honest, I think that's not just an African problem. I think that's a problem around the world. It's always business is half part of your technical solution, but to be real, business is also about who you know. 
and how you leverage your relationships. So I, I do think um, it could be, look, there's two takes on this. One, that yes, that article does make a good suggestion that they've taken up funding. But also, I think uh, there's a great opportunity for cross-pollinization uh, cross of ideas and capital, you know? So um, I do think that maybe if in Africa, if the, um, the angel investors, the incubators, maybe had a law, let's say 70, a 70-30 split in terms of, is this a local funded person? Um, in South Africa, we have this thing called um, BEE or Black uh, Empowerment forgot the, the last year. Like economic kind of empowerment. Yeah. And I, I like that model where they say, okay, cool. These are the certain targets that you need to have to receive funding from the states, you know? And I think that is something that we can take forward. But I also do not want us to not close away, you know, um, the international and the foreigners because um, they bring ideas. And like I said, like for, for instance, there are many ideas that I've looked around the continent and I've just said, hey, this would work in South Africa. And I think vice versa. The, the, what we need to make sure is that um, everyone's benefiting and uh, more locals than foreigners in the, in the country. And I think that's going to be more, I think that is where Africa needs to spend most of its time. And that is, I think, has a, a history that it, it really hasn't taken enough time to work with that legislation. Like how do we not lose our assets that easily so i think this could be something that potentially could happen but i think um frameworks like the be could be something that we can take forward and uh, apply in different funding spaces around the continent Maritz, do you have any comments on this concept of cross-pollination yeah absolutely like and it's super interesting because in my sort of professional life i've been working a lot with uh agriculture development in that it's really sort of sustainable agriculture in South America and very much there we see the same thing that if, if a, a movement or foundation is locally rooted then of course there can be outside influence that helps grow that helps accelerate but uh, in it it's very important that the ideas are locally rooted and that they also respect certain local conditions certain local formalities and and you you just see that movements that um that have local roots are so much stronger because they're not just being not just somebody coming and saying look that's a new thing but um and so i i love hearing this conversation and just hearing how much uh, potential there is and, and, uh, and the, the number of ideas. So yeah, um, I mean, in Europe, we, we already have quite a, a general culture of exchange in that sense, but uh, it's very nice to hear that uh, this is happening also in Africa, hopefully. I mean, it's even interesting that um, all these problems you wouldn't really know if if you aren't really uh, into a culture and, and haven't experienced them yourselves. So um, from the outside perspective, you're always, you may not even have the idea or you may just not get it right. 
and and like completely miss the obvious solution for example yeah 100% and i think that's why i'm a big advocate for africans creating solutions for africa because i feel like we understand our context the best we understand our history and our history is very loaded and it comes with a lot you know so i feel like we need to empower ourselves to make solutions for ourselves which is why i love to talk to people like Nkanyuso and William who are really doing it and who are making impacts. Mm. Okay, so let's bring it back to gender-based violence. Um, some people might be watching this or listening to this and thinking, okay, so they're discussing gender-based violence and female empowerment and there's three men and there's one girl, right? So what do you guys think is the role of men in this space? Because in my opinion, I think it's really important that we have men who are allies and who are in rooms that women might not necessarily have access to or in the numbers that they should and who advocate for us and who create solutions to help us all because we need to understand that gender-based violence is something that impacts the entire community as a whole. So what do you guys think is the importance of men creating solutions for violence perpetuated against women by men? Um, I guess I'll start off. Um, so I think the first thing that I think all men have to do, I think we need to listen. I think uh, we are in this position because um, maybe we haven't been listening. And I think that's gonna be a first place to start is listening. And then the second part I think is having a conversation about it. I think um, GBV is a very, it's a very complicated thing because especially in, in South Africa, and there's different roles and different reasons for it. But I think what's very important that I think both genders need to be in the same room and they need to communicate. And I think as men, we need to listen first before we speak and then add our two cents. And then from there, I think then we can start talking about the structural things like how, how should we have platforms? Again, uh, I mean, I'm giving my government so much uh, props for this, but uh, going back to um, the BE, they have this thing of women empowerment. Um, and they have like strict laws, like 51% women ownership. Um, this is what you do for this long and that. And I think that is a real format and whole basis. Because the thing is, we have to we, we have to tell the story and see it for what it is. And the truth of the matter is that um, women and you know black women in South Africa, they've been disadvantaged, you know, and they've been crying the same tune, the same tune. And as you see, we year after year, we keep having the pro. This, we need to solve that. And I think we need to, as men, understand that this is a real systemic issue. This is as bad as racism. This is as mm -hmm. bad as poverty. How do, we, how do we first acknowledge that? Then we listen. Then, then how do we put platforms in running a company? Make sure that these are, the, these are the, um, the, the, the policies, you know, I think as, as much as we check um, GDPR and policy, I think every institution in South Africa at least needs to have like a, 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 a sexual harassment policy and all that kind of stuff. Those structures in the beginning, it mustn't be an afterthought. It mustn't be a thing where, okay, cool now, um, to be, hit the score, I need to have women in the room or to sell this product, I need women in the room, you know? Like I said, even to be quite frankly honest with you guys, like, we are, you know, a bunch of male founders. We had one lady founder, you know, and I think if 
if our clients, if our customer base wasn't women, I think we might have not made the smart MailChimp. You know, mm -hmm. it was only through that, what do our customers want? Who are they? Where are they based? What's the biggest problem right now? You see, that's, it, it took a lot of in-depth soul searching from mm -hmm. our side to understand what does our customer want? And it happened to be that they were women, it was GBV and it's like smart nail made sense. But if I didn't have that, or if any of the founders didn't have that, we wouldn't be having this conversation. So I think listening is the biggest part. And also how do we make women feel more comfortable, you know, in, in, in these spaces? It's, you know, sometimes women don't want to talk to men about GBV and the issues because we're the trauma creators, you know? Mm. And now we need to understand like, how do we, creating a safe environment, a protected environment. And uh, I think a big thing is uh, an environment that ladies can trust. If something happens that they know, you know, the infrastructure and the legislation will protect them. And I think that will open up the basis. And then I think we can get all smart and get you know, PhDs in the room and they'll come up with you know, things too. But I think the basis of it is we have to start listening. We have to start communicating together and we have to really rely on legislation and things like the BEE, but in a more GBV focused way. And I think that'll be a platform for success. Marit, same question to you. Well, there's really not much I want to add to this because uh, yeah, I think my, I see my role like as a man, usually you would be speaking to Bianca, my wonderful co-founder, because I think it is more powerful if, uh, women can create can explain the problem the problematic situation and how we tackle it so uh, i try to keep my own voice out of this and then what we can do is uh, raise awareness and then have tools like extinction uh, empower women to act on their own and uh, yeah that's that's it no, that's great. And I think um, as the only woman here, <laughs> I would say that it's important, like I've said before, to have male allies because the struggle of trying to have men understand what it feels like to be a woman in this world and to navigate the world as a Black woman, especially, to constantly have to try to explain that to people is difficult. And when you have men who understand it and who are already in a position where they can do something about it and are doing something about it, it's so much easier because then you guys can take that understanding and the knowledge that you've gained back to your circles, back to your friends and your families. And I think that's the way that we affect grassroots change. You know what I mean? Because we can, um, have legislation and have policies in place, but that's at the top. And often from, from policy to trickle down to the everyday man, that takes years and that takes a lot of time and implementation and things like that. So I think when we have guys like you who are in positions and they're doing things like this and having these type of conversations without centering yourselves at the center of the conversation, I think it's an impactful thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. so. Both of you, what are your plans for the future with both of your businesses, the things that you're doing, any new products coming up, things we should look out for? On our side, there's, uh, of course, um, we always say that um, if it works really well for us, then uh, we will sort of get rid of ourselves um, because 
if it works really well, we will have a lot of criminal complaints and everybody who now thinks he can send a dick pic and just go unpunished uh, will know that this is not going to happen again. And I think something like 90% of the dick pics will disappear if it's clear that you're getting a criminal complaint and the police is going to be in front of your door and you're getting a punishment. Um, and so uh, basically it's promoting that and some technicalities where we want to make it easier. You have to imagine we're still sending out paper letters to the authorities. That's in 2021, that just seems ridiculous. But so far it's the best and most effective and privacy savvy way uh, of getting these complaints out. Um, so yeah, we obviously want to improve that, but uh, much more than that, yeah, we're not a company, we're doing this uh, free time. So we, we just hope to get an audience for it and that everybody knows it. And you just know if you get a dick pic, that's the thing to do and just yeah, empower people to use it. Um, on our side, um, we definitely want to try and fit, um, fill the demand here in um, South Africa and in Africa and globally in terms of the smart nail chip. So we really just focus on ramping and making sure that uh, the product meets the market. Um, but I think from a personal level as well is that we've got a series of technology. We're really big on this term called future fitness. And we believe that every African needs to be future fit. So we're literally spending our time developing, prototyping a range of future fit technologies that we want to introduce. And then on the second part, uh, we have a platform called nest.infinity.com. And essentially that is um, our on-demand learning network. And essentially that is where you go when you want to learn future fitness. And as I told you before, um, our approach to technology is not, okay, what do we learn in school? What's everyone else doing? And let's dump it in, in, in um, South Africa and Africa. It's literally, do we understand the environment? What are the challenges? What's the possibility? And then how do we evolve our, our users to become more future fit? How do we gain? So the smart nail chip will start get up. They'll enjoy the, the benefits of it in terms of safety and GBV, but that's also introduction into understanding IoT, you know, understanding technology where they wouldn't really would be interested, be honest, in terms of our user base. But once we show them the technology is friendly, it's something that it's not just for people outside, but for you know a black woman who really wants to, you know, be future fit. And I, I, that is something that I'll be really excited about if I can just have some nests, the platform growing widespread in Africa and globally, and then also just increasing our range in terms of our future fit products. Would definitely love to have a, a smart ring and uh, other cool tech to, you know, just just to uh, help people get future fit. Thank you, Kanyiso and Moritz for joining us and thank you for having such an open and honest and impactful conversation. It was really a pleasure to have you. Yeah, thank you for joining us. Uh, also to our listeners, we hope you stay tuned to our ZQV and listen to the other episodes of the Tech for Good series. Uh, we have some really interesting guests coming up. Thank you.